Welcome, welcome everyone to The Enthusiast Life. I am your host, Mark Turcott, and I'm so glad each and every one of you have decided to make me a part of your week. Thank you so much. Well, we got a good one in store this week. We're going to be talking about Apex Legends, this surprise game that came out of nowhere from the folks that made Titanfall 2. We have some news of Microsoft possibly expanding, or really are expanding, Xbox Live to other platforms, including the Switch. We had a pretty insane event happen in Fortnite, which I think needs to be talked about, uh, as well as some other gaming stories. And I'm going to wrap it up with my review of Glass, as well as talk about the Super Bowl and kind of what went down here in Atlanta. So what's up, everyone? We got a good show, like I said. Uh, let's start it off, of course, with a little bit of housekeeping. Don't forget you can follow me on Twitter, at The Enthused Life, to follow the show, or me personally, at Mark Turk. That's M-A-R-K-T-U-R-C. And don't forget, email me, theenthusedlife at gmail.com. Thank you for everyone who emailed me this week. Read every single one of them. I appreciate it. Had a couple people asking me to talk about Bandersnatch, the Netflix Black Mirror Choose Your Own Adventure movie slash interactive game. I mean, it's not really a game, right? But we're going to talk about that probably either next week or the week after. I personally haven't had a chance to watch it yet, but I do want to watch it and do want to talk about it here on the show. Really, I think more for just the the impact that I think this thing is going to have moving forward uh, in terms of content that people are going to consume. So we will be talking about that, but we got a lot of news and a lot of fun things happening this week. So let's jump into what I think is probably the biggest gaming story of this week, which I mean, even the Microsoft Xbox Live one is a big one, but the fact that Respawn announced and launched a game in a matter of 48 hours, essentially. If you're not familiar with with, with uh, what, what happened here, uh, Respawn is the team that made Titanfall 2 and Titanfall and actually goes even further back, uh, kind of that, that whole team there, uh, Wes and Zampella, uh, were pretty much the guys who created Call of Duty Modern Warfare 4. Uh, well, I guess Modern Warfare, right? Call of Duty 4 Modern Warfare. And, you know, the pedigree that was there with those two um, is just phenomenal. And, of course, if you haven't followed a lot of the story, what happened in the situation there, they made Modern Warfare 2. And then during the development of Modern Warfare 3, essentially Activision said, hey, things aren't going right. We don't want to pay you your bonuses for Modern Warfare 2. And Wesson's Impella left. EA brought them in. They created Respawn. And then that's where the Titanfall series basically came from uh, from there. But what's interesting in this situation is that they took a very unique path to announcing and launching this game. So if you're not familiar with what Apex Legends is, essentially it is a hero shooter battle royale game. And what in last week they brought out some content creators to see the game. I believe it was on Thursday. Some of the big names, Dr. Disrespect, Shroud, all these guys who you see on Twitch streaming these battle royale games showed them what was happening. And of course, some things leaked over the weekend, and, and the story started coming out on late Saturday into Sunday of some of people saying, hey, Respawn's going to be announcing a new game. It's not Titanfall 3, but it, it takes place in the Titanfall universe. Oh, and by the way, it's a Battle Royale game. I mean, people just lost their minds. Like, what? Like, what is this game? How is this even possible? And the fact that it's going to be coming from a AAA studio published by EA and announced and released pretty much day and date. Well, that's exactly what happened. Yesterday on Monday, they announced the game with via a stream. They had like a four-hour stream going to kind of build some hype for it. And then at, uh, what time was that? I think it was 1 o'clock or, or 2 o'clock, I'm sorry. Uh, the game just launched. They, they did a, a quick little 15, 20-minute video kind of describing what the game is and launched this thing. 
And it is a battle royale featuring up to 60 people on a server. So a little bit less, of course, than your Fortnites and your PUBGs out there. Uh, it is three-man squads, but each character has their own ability. So think of like putting Overwatch characters into a battle royale mode. And that's what you get. So not only are you battling the skill of trying to survive in this battle battle royale environment, but you're also utilizing your squad and using your abilities together. So some of the abilities are like one character can create portals or another one can ping um, where enemies are. And, and then another one can throw down a smoke bomb. So if you kind of utilize those three, you can say, all right, well, let's drop a portal, throw the smoke in. The one guy will ping the enemies. We can see where the enemies are within the smoke by blinding the enemies, but we can see them and you go in and, and do your thing. And it's after playing it, I, I was going to record this show last night, but I wanted to spend some time with the game before I talked about it. And I got to be honest, it is super, super fun. It, it's like a fresh take. It, it's like I think of like what what Call of Duty Black Ops 4 did with Blackout. And Blackout seemed like a fresh take on Battle Royale. I mean, obviously, when you compare it to Fortnite, it didn't have the building, but it seemed like there was a lot of quality of life. Um, just just uh, systems built in there. With Apex Legends, it's they added even more quality of life, which which even sounds a little bit crazy when you think they added in these abilities. But to step away from that, let's just talk about what they did with uh, kind of the gameplay systems that are just kind of standard in the Battle Royale system. When you come up to an item to grab, which there is armor, um, there's helmets, there's chest pieces, things that you can get. But when you walk up to a piece, it'll tell you straight up on the screen, you have a better weapon or a better chest piece equipped or if you go up to a scope which automatically equips on your weapons which is awesome it'll say you have a better scope equipped so it just adds this element where I, I can't tell you how many times when I play Fortnite or I play PUBG or any of these games where I go and I find a gun and I'm like is it better than what I have I don't know it just tells you on the screen so it makes it very very um I guess noob friendly if you want to say for people that don't necessarily understand the way these games work or don't know the weapons and the armor yet in the game it makes it easy to jump in and have some fun now the one thing they didn't do uh, when people started hearing this was going to be in the Titanfall universe which the name Apex Legends Apex is one of the companies within or factions if you want to say within the Titanfall universe there are no Titans and on top of that you're not necessarily a pilot from Titanfall. You are just a, a character um, within this this world. You don't have the ability to wall run or boost. Um, there is a grappling hook character who has his own grappling hook, but not everybody has a grappling hook. Um, so the, mo the mobility is a little bit different. However, they did make it where you can climb pretty much anything. I mean, it's almost like you're playing uh, uh, Breath of the Wild. I mean, not to that extent, but it, it's similar. You can go up to a mountain and you don't have to keep tapping X to climb, like jump and climb. You just hold it, run towards a building, hold X. You're just going to climb right up a, a fence or whatever it is. Um, they did a very neat thing, uh, again, quality of life with pinging items on the map. So you just hit R1, kind of like you do in Battlefield where you spot someone. Uh, you can do that as your, as your character, but if you point it like a helmet on the ground, like, you know, your whole team, let's say two of us have a helmet, somebody doesn't, I find a helmet rather than me say, hey man, it's over here. I I'm CE Turks. Look at me. I'm CE Turks. Come find me. I'm over here, over here. You just ping it. You hit R1 and the game just knows you're pinging this helmet for your teammate to go get. And it shows up on everyone's map on your team and they can go find it. Like that just is a very... Man, it's so useful, the fact that they added that to the game. I think it's really going to add a lot of just ease of use, again, quality of life, um, uh, just 
pieces to this game that I think, you know, a lot of these games now moving forward are going to have to put in it because it, it really adds just that element of making it easier for other people to jump in. Now, you can also even hold our, I'm saying our one, of course, I'm playing on PlayStation. Uh, it'd be your right bumper on, on Xbox or even on PC, you know, um, your other buttons. Um, you can hold it down and it pulls up like a ping wheel. So you can say, I'm going to defend over here or looks like enemy was here. So it makes it where you don't even have to have really you know, voice communication, which of course is going to make it much easier if you are talking with voice. But a lot of times you play these games, especially if you're playing with randoms, they're not using mics. You can at least communicate to a pretty, pretty detailed degree compared to any other game I played. I mean, it almost reminds me of uh, back when I used to play Paragon, which was made by Epic, had a very, very uh, uh, detailed just communication system in it. So, you know, for a MOBA to have something like that, it, it was really great. And so this is adding that to the MOBA space. I mean, I listened to an interview uh, with one of the game directors uh, that Giant Bomb put out. Giant Bomb presents, find that feed, uh, their podcast feed, and listen to it. Uh, Brad Shoemaker did a great, it's like a 16 to 17 minute interview. And this game actually started in development in, uh, I think it was right after Titanfall in March, Titanfall 2, I'm sorry. And so at that point, PUBG was just getting ready to, really take off you know at that point Fortnite was not even around and they were they were themselves playing PUBG and saying like hey we really enjoy kind of this genre I wonder if we could do something within that and so as the time went on and of course Fortnite came out they were able to look at what worked what didn't work and what would work within their universe so the mobility I mean they even said in this interview he says when they first had the first iteration of the game. They actually had the pilot running and the abilities and all that in there, but they just found, you know what? It works better with a hero-based shooter, you know, because they were also playing Overwatch at that time, and they kind of liked that dynamic and those mechanics. Um, and, you know, he even goes into saying that from the get-go, this was going to be a free-to-play game, that they could see two years ago that the model of make a box, a box game Game comes out with a single-player campaign. You throw some multiplayer maps at it, a little bit of support, and then you just move on. And all you're doing at that point is you're basically splitting your team into a live team and then another team that's just creating that next boxed product. And they just said, you know what? That's not really the way to go. Things aren't going that way. So this was always going to be a free-to-play game. And, of course, this being published by EA, everybody is already jumping on the bandwagon or, or was initially saying, oh, it's going to have loot boxes, which it does. But everybody being very concerned, especially knowing just EA's track record with loot boxes when it comes to Battlefront and, and you know, all these other games. But Respawn is very upfront saying, hey, we're, we're still Respawn. Sure, there's loot boxes in this game, but it, everything can be earned. And it's very similar to Overwatch's system where it's all it is is cosmetic. You can't buy power in this game. Sure, you can shorten your duration to heroes because being that it is a hero based shooter there are multiple heroes to pick and that that's going to be kind of the 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 rollout of this game it's like rainbow six siege where certain heroes will come out and they're kind of gated behind just really play time essentially you just play the game you're going to get these credits to eventually unlock them or you can shorten that path by just straight up buying those heroes, um, which I think is fair. I think that's a great way. Just saying, hey, play our game. You're going to be able to get everything, essentially. Just You just you got to play the game, right? You, it, but if you don't have the time to play the game, you can go in and just buy these characters. So you're not buying abilities or buying anything like that. I think it's a great system. I think it works great in other games. And um, you know them just being up front. And I think even when you go into the storefront and look at these quote-unquote loot boxes, which unlock every time you level up, just like in Overwatch, It'll show you the percentage of items you're going to get, you know, so it's like 
you, you got a, a 20% chance of getting a legendary or, you know, whatever the percentages are, which I think is great. I mean, that's something that needs to be in any of these games that use that monetization um, system, you know, right? Because right now, I mean, there's even other countries where they're just straight up banning these loot boxes. So I think by putting that out there, it's a, a great thing. But again, the game's free to play and it feels triple A. I mean, that's, I think, one of the best things about it. It has that tight feeling of Titanfall. Uh, it just has that respawn polish on it. And, you know, I think Blackout really showed us what a triple A team could do. Um, but I think, I think Blackout played it, you know, with Call of Duty, I think they played it super safe with what they built with that. Um, this is just really feels fresh and new. It, it really is a new take on it. Um, I mean, even the fact that when you're, when you go down, if you get in a fight, like a three on three fight, and let's say one guy from your squad survives, you wipe out the other team that your teammate can go over and pick up basically this like chip off your dead body. So your other two team, you and your other dead teammate, he can pick those up and find a respawn device somewhere on the map, which they're kind of littered all over. Go to it, plug it in, takes it about 30 seconds. It's a big drop ship that comes in so people can see it. So you're kind of vulnerable while you're waiting, but you can respawn back in. It just, I, this game is just great. I'm just telling you right now, if Battle Royale is not your thing, um, I would definitely recommend giving it a shot because it definitely does some things new and fresh that some of these other games don't do, but it still is Battle Royale, so it may not be the game for you. But if you like Titanfall's gunplay and you like just having these abilities and, you know, kind of games like Overwatch or even a MOBA, man. I mean, it doesn't play like a MOBA, but just having that strategy of, of or hell, I mean, I think Rainbow Six Siege probably is the best analogy. It's still a shooter, but you have these characters that have these abilities and building your squad around that. If you got a good team of three people, it's it's great. I mean, I play with my buddy Khalif, um, who's got his new show, This Is Dope, launching, which go check that out. I'll put the link in the show notes. Um, we played and had a blast playing last night. It, it's super, super fun. So definitely recommend it. And kudos to them. It's on right now on PC, Xbox One, and PlayStation, all released day and date and it went smooth to have to have a game that nobody knew about that gets announced and have that launch happen and you can just play awesome i mean think about the anthem demo first week the vip demo and hell even this past week still had its own issues apex legends was just smooth as butter so kudos to respawn and to ea i think you're definitely going to have a big hit on your hands for sure uh, let's shift gears here to um, another big video game story, and, and this probably would have been the lead story if it wasn't for Apex uh, Legends launching this week, uh, but this was uh, coming from a GDC chat that's going to be happening uh, next month, actually, in March, so GDC runs from March 18th to the 22nd. If you're not familiar, it's the Game Developers Conference. There's always just awesome information coming out of there. Uh, I love even being able to sometimes watch the conversations about the making of video games, so I'm sure you know any of the big games that usually come out in the fall... Usually those developers are at GDC just talking to their peers, talking about how they made these games and how they were able to do it. Uh, but very interesting. So there was a description for an upcoming GDC session that uh, is going to be entitled The Xbox Live Growing and Engaging Your Gaming Community Across iOS, Android, Switch, Xbox, and PC. And this was going to be presented by Microsoft. And essentially what it is is Microsoft pretty much announcing that Xbox Live is coming to all these other platforms, including the Nintendo Switch and mobile. 
So uh, currently right now, you know, there's over, uh, what I forget what the number is, it's like over 400 million devices that potentially can be running Xbox Live right now or that are running it right now. So that includes obviously the Xbox 360, uh, PCs and all that. Well, by bringing this to all these other platforms, Microsoft is saying that they're going to bring Xbox Live to, and I quote, over 2 billion devices with the release of the new cross-platform Xbox development kit, so the SDK. Um, and they also go on to say that Xbox Live players are highly engaged and active on Xbox and PC, but now they can take their gaming achievement history, their friends list, their clubs, and more with them to almost every screen. So the big thing, I think, coming out of this and kind of the future for what we were hearing with Xbox was that Microsoft wanted to make Xbox kind of more of just a service. And obviously, Xbox Live is a service, but when I say that, it's like almost platform agnostic so it's like the next xbox potentially there may be obviously your beefy piece of hardware that will be the xbox whatever we're gonna call it 720 whatever you want to call it um that will come out and you'll be able to maybe buy a disc i mean that's still kind of up in the air but this thing will run on the spot run your game from that system but the other kind of piece to this is they're building this whole x cloud streaming service that's out there so Speculation is that you're going to have your standard console, but you're also going to have this maybe budget type console you can buy that is just going to straight up stream your games. Now, the interesting piece here is that not only is Xbox Live going to come to these platforms with your, uh, and more more specifically the Switch, um, is going to come there where you'll be able to access your Xbox friends on your Switch, but I think people are kind of seeing this as maybe being the seeding that, hey, you're going to be able to stream Halo Infinite or whatever the game is to any of these devices, including the Switch. So imagine a world where you will be able to play the latest, greatest Halo game or Gears of War game, whatever it is, by via streaming it to your Switch and playing with your Xbox friends. That's super exciting, right? I, I think having the ability to have these first-party games, I think, is huge. And not only that, I mean, even expand it out even to the third-party games. Now it's getting to the point here with, with something like this, with Xbox saying, hey, you're going to have this cross-platform development kit. Hey, uh, Apex Legends. I mean, obviously, that game, will, I'm sure, will go uh, <laughs> multi-platform soon anyways or cross-platform. But you may be able to have, let's say, Battlefield 6 comes out. And it, in which I, who knows if the switch can run it, but whatever, you know what I'm talking about. You have a game like that that comes out and you're able to play true and true cross platform and it's going to be expected. Wow. I mean, that that's the, the future in that all the gamers have always wanted, right? We've always wanted to have this ability to play with our friends wherever they're playing. And now we may potentially have it. This is that that seeding of that now and, and Microsoft planting the flag saying we're going to do it and kudos to Nintendo for just straight up allowing it you know I mean the Switch is a platform that has amazing great games it's a, it's fantastic for indie titles obviously the Nintendo first party games are there and will be there and that's what everybody's really coming to the Switch for but to then have the ability to say you know, maybe Nintendo saying, you know what, our console, yeah, we can't play Halo Infinite or a game like that, or we can't play Battlefield 6. But guess what, if you stream it, yeah, we can do that. And you know what, rather than us build the systems, which to be fair, Nintendo already is doing that. And especially in Japan, there's uh, was it Resident Evil 7, I think Assassin's Creed Odyssey, you can buy streaming versions of those games right now in Japan. So they're, they've already been trying that. I even think Fantasy Star Online 2, which sadly isn't here in the States, is only streamable through the switch you don't actually download it you stream it um 
they've already tried this and it works. So now Nintendo's saying, hey, we, we know our system isn't beefy enough to run these, what's going to be now these next-gen titles, but we're going to put something on here and, and allow Microsoft to let their user base stream it. Because in the end, it's just going to sell more Switches, right? I mean, if you have a, an Xbox and you are going on a road trip or you want to just sit on your couch and play, or let's face it, you want to sit on the Golden Throne, you know, and, and play your video games, you can do that with the Switch. And so Nintendo's like, hey, whatever, put it on there. We know we're going to sell more Switches. And there you go. So I think the big question is, what does Sony do? Does Sony jump in on this game? I mean, they, they almost have to, right? Remember E3 last year? I mean, Microsoft and, and Nintendo putting out that video talking about how Minecraft was playable cross-platform on both devices. And basically ripping on on sony at that point and and sony put out the statement saying we're not going to allow cross-platform play with especially with like games like fortnite or rocket league like we we have our players playing on our system and their reasoning was because it's a way for them to keep it safe right for their their players but their hand had to be forced because fortnite was a force to be reckoned with and i think gamers today younger gamers more specifically like i'm the classic i think is my son i mean he just Wherever he plays Fortnite, it's expected that he can play with anybody. I mean, he is still just captivated by Fortnite. And wherever he plays, he needs to not only be able to play with his friends, he needs to have all his, uh, you know, uh, um, his bling, you know, all, all his skins, all that needs to be there. And, you know, th this is it. This is now we're starting to see, especially, you know, Nintendo and Microsoft jumping on board and saying, yep, this we're doing it. So I think Sony's going to have to make the move. I actually had a... My buddy Gary, uh, Slate Steel Soul, he he was having a conversation and and uh, he was asking like, is does this make the Switch now the best console out there? Um, you know, I, I don't really know if that's necessarily even an argument. You know, I mean, at, at that point in a world where we live with this, it probably does because Xbox wouldn't exist. You know, or not not Xbox, but an actual physical big beefy console of, of Xbox may not even exist, you know, five years from now. Sure, it'll be out there, but it won't be in the numbers that they want it to be because everybody's going to be streaming it at that point, right? That's kind of the, the idea here is that Xbox is a gaming service that you pay for because, by the way, Xbox Game Pass is one of the greatest things out there right now. If you're a gamer and you have an Xbox, you need to have Game Pass. I mean, even if you don't, I mean, it, it forced my hand to go buy an Xbox One X, about six months ago, I was like, man, Game Pass is an incredible deal. The fact that you can get every first-party Microsoft game day and date is just amazing. I mean, two game, the price of two games for a year, which chances are you would probably buy the first-party games if you own an Xbox, you just get them for Game Pass. For 10 bucks a month, it's great, as well as all these other games. Um, but is it, you know, would it be the best console? I mean, in my opinion, you know, the Switch is my favorite console because of all the indie games and all the small games on there now do i play i don't, actually don't even play it as much as i play my other consoles but switch i would say still is my favorite uh because that's just i know where i can get my nintendo games and i'm a nintendo guy uh but being able to take it with me anywhere is awesome and the idea of being able to take these xbox games anywhere streaming granted you got to be connected to the internet have 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 good connectivity because streaming games still in my opinion is rough especially when you're playing shooters and that but Hey, in, in a world where you may just want to hop in, like, you know, think of a game like Destiny. You just, all you want to do, let's say, is maybe go to the tower, swap out some gear, maybe pick up a quest or two, or you just want to go and farm somewhere and just, you know, you're not really playing PvP. You're not doing a raid. 
Streaming works great. I mean, I used to do that with Destiny 1 to my PlayStation Vita. It was it was good enough to go farm, you know, to get some uh, Glimmer or whatever it was, you know, in that first year of D1 where that was a big deal or go around and get some uh, materials. Like that was a perfect thing to sit on the couch watching TV, just streaming to the Vita. It, it was fine for what it was. And I think that's kind of what this is going to be. So uh, very cool. Kudos to Microsoft for going ahead and doing that. And, uh, you know, again, I, I think it shows the power of Epic that Epic really, and, and, you know, obviously Microsoft's the one making the move here, but I think Epic really showing like, hey, cross-platform needs to be a thing because it, nobody was really talking about it per se being a big push until the Fortnite juggernaut that came out and we're seeing it across the board now. Um, speaking of Fortnite, let's talk about this big event that happened this past weekend. So Fortnite, what Epic's been doing with Fortnite is they've been doing these live events essentially where they had an asteroid crash into the earth or this what the cube did like blew up or whatever the heck the cube did i mean i i kind of hear it (laughs) kind of secondhand through my kids as they freak out over these things but this past weekend on saturday oh my god big event dad marshmallow is going to do a concert in Fortnite early on in the day my son is showing me the stage that was set up somewhere in there and i was just like whatever man like it's just another Fortnite thing well i gotta be honest it was pretty incredible what they what they ended up doing. So what they did was at 2 p.m., everybody logs into the Fortnite map, and the musician Marshmallow put on a 10-minute concert at this stage. They they basically allowed everybody to to kind of come into this space. I think it actually was only holding 60 players uh, at this spot. It was some certain game mode. They shut off weapons essentially, so you couldn't kill anybody. And he they just put on a Marshmallow concert and. I mean, for something like this to happen live in a video game and to literally have millions of people pop in and experience that at one time is super cool. I mean, we have not seen anything like this really in video games outside of just the launch of a new raid in like World of Warcraft or Destiny. We've never really had this big live event that everyone was experiencing. I mean, people were watching on Twitch if they couldn't log in. People were watching on YouTube gaming. Like, it was just huge and they even ended up doing it again at like two in the morning too for people that missed it but they had this whole light show going the music was playing you know my my you could see people dancing doing all their their dances and their their emotes in the game um they were selling a marshmallow skin of course which i'm sure they made gangbusters off uh they had special effects happening where every once in a while your the characters were floating in like anti-gravity and they would come down and it was just super cool, and it continues to boggle my mind what Epic is doing with Fortnite. You know, I, here at the top of the show, I talked about Apex Legends, and they're doing something very new in the Battle Royale space. And And I showed my son yesterday, and I was like, hey, man, check this out. Like, this new Battle Royale game, I think you should try it. It looks like it's going to be super fun, and, 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 you know, might be you might have more fun with it than Fortnite, you know, or just maybe if you're getting bored of Fortnite. He's like, well, I'm, I'm not really getting bored of Fortnite, like... That game looks cool, and he didn't want to install it on the PlayStation. I'm like, come on, man. No, he just wants to continue to play Fortnite. And I think the reason being is that it just has really captured this social aspect of of a video game. Like for me, I think back to what game really kind of did that for me. And outside of a game like Destiny, which was really more like I have my friends there and we're raiding and doing those things. But just the kind of let's go and just hang out was like Halo 2 probably we would play a lot, or even Halo 3 with Forge. That's probably the game. Halo 3 having the Forge maps, and we would go in and just play these crazy game modes and, and build these crazy maps 
that's what they do now, especially now that playground is in Fortnite. That's all they do. That's all my my kids do. I mean, my daughter plays too a ton. They they go in with their friends and they just play these playground matches. They're not even really playing the game anymore, and they're just hanging out in the game. That's their sandbox now. And I don't know if a game like Apex Legends can really pull a lot of people away. And you know, I was even trying to think like, obviously, someone like a Doctor Disrespect. He's a guy who plays kind of more of these hardcore battle royale games. I, I don't really see him streaming Fortnite as much anymore. I think he's more the PUBG Blackout. Uh, guy, so he's probably going to continue over to Apex Legends. But what does like a, what does Ninja do? Why why would he ever leave Fortnite? You know, you have this audience of these young kids that just idolize you because they play Fortnite and you play it too. So I don't know. You know, I, obviously, I think Apex Legends is going to do great. I think it's going to be a, a huge game, but I don't know if it's enough to pull a lot of people away from Fortnite. Still, I mean, obviously, I think an older gamer like myself who may look at Fortnite and say it's it's the kids game, quote unquote kids game, which the, I'm not putting it down by saying that. I just mean it because literally the audience, a lot of the audience that drives that game is this younger audience. Um, I, I, I'm going to move on to Apex Legends or people like me probably would, but these young kids, I don't know what's going to pull them away from Fortnite. I honestly don't. I mean, if, if Apex Legends can do it, I don't think anything can because Apex Legends really just puts this neat little twist on it. I mean, even to the point where I was trying to, my daughter, we saw a commercial for Kingdom Hearts 3 yesterday on TV. She's a huge Disney fan. Saw Elsa. Oh my God, you know, I, I want to play that game. I want to play it. And I was like, well, I was kind of describing it to her. And I said, you know, there are other games out there besides Fortnite. And she was like, yeah, I, I probably would just want to just keep playing Fortnite. And it's like, I, I just, it's crazy. We live in a world now where just one game has completely captured this this generation i even want to say and kudos to epic for just continuing to drive that and it's honestly as an outsider looking in someone who's not big into Fortnite, but someone that is a gamer i mean it is super exciting to see them doing things like this marshmallow event it, it just really was something to behold i mean it, it, when my son was telling me about it, i was kind of rolling my eyes in the morning like oh whatever but then to watch it and just see it happening it, it was it was pretty incredible um, you know, again, we haven't seen anything really like it in video gaming and it, it makes me excited for what's to come. I mean, we had, uh, we can talk about it a little bit right now. Anthem had their second demo. They're, they're kind of open demo this week and they did something similar where they had a live event happen, uh, on, uh, it was a Sunday. They had this, uh, I don't know if it's a shaper storm or a cataclysm. I, I don't know what it was, but they had this weird storm up in the sky, which was to me was very reminiscent of like what I've seen in these Fortnite events where just the world starts changing. And you could see like there were asteroids and things falling down or fireballs coming down from the sky. And essentially what it was was a massive boss spawned on the map. And you basically had to go find it, fight it off before it got to Fort Tarsus. I mean, there obviously was really no threat to the fort, but it was just a, a big boss that spawned on. You could go in, take out, and assuming in the live game, the real game when it comes out, this is going to either happen uh, just often, randomly, or it's going to be something that's set where every every so often, Bioware's going to be able to go out and say, hey, something's happening in the game, get in there, and they're going to have something like this happen. And I hope that is just a common thing now, not only in Anthem, but in games moving forward. Because it's exciting as a community to come together and all take part in something like this. So, um, you know, I, I, that kind of made me excited for what Anthem's going to do, uh, especially after seeing this marshmallow thing. If they can do anything on this, this level, man, it is going to be huge. And not even just Anthem, to any video game, to putting these live events. Uh, it, it's uh, It's pretty cool. 
Uh, but keep talking about the Anthem. Let's move on past Fortnite and talk about the Anthem open demo. Uh, obviously, last episode, I was very excited uh, for Anthem. I think the gameplay is fantastic. Uh, but this weekend, I actually spent a lot of time, especially squatting up with um, some buddies of mine and going through the stronghold multiple times. And I will say it is still, I think I even said this on the last episode, it is very much Monster Hunter. Very much. It is much more Monster Hunter than it is Destiny or The Division. It really is about getting out into the world, getting loot, and not even necessarily getting better loot. It's just about getting loot that you break down the crafting materials to build your javelin to the specs that you want or that you need to basically combo with your team and go and tackle harder versions of what you're doing or just you know harder missions of course these strongholds and so i think that's where some people may get a little bit bored with the game because that's really all monster hunter is, is you're grinding these monsters over and over and over and over to get pieces to then go take on harder versions of those monsters or just bigger monsters and that's what i think anthem's gonna be but i will say man last week i had really only played the storm which i had fallen in love with and i was playing the ranger which the Ranger class really does focus heavily on the weapons. And I think that's where a lot of people are getting hung up is they're looking at the weapons in Anthem uh, as being the loot, that that's what you need to get. But when you play either the Storm or more specifically the Interceptor, the weapons are just an afterthought. The Interceptor to me is now my favorite Javelin in that game. As cool as the Storm is and you're floating and you're bringing down elementals and casting spells essentially because your abilities in this game are on a respawn so fast. The Interceptor is all about the melee, and you are literally a jumping bean. You can triple jump. You can, uh, if you hold down circle, which is your your um, your dodge, you can dodge three times, and then you throw in your abilities, which are uh, the one that the ones that I was wrong, which is this big melee ability. I could throw this like Ninja Star, and then you just you're jamming on triangle, and so you're you're just constantly doing melee. We were going through missions, and I would maybe shoot like two bullets. Weapons didn't matter to my character at all. When you're playing the Interceptor, it's all about moving, moving, moving. I mean, you it's almost like Warframe where you're just a straight-up ninja. If you just wanted to play a Warframe uh, mission and never use a weapon, just use your, oh, a gun, let's say, and you just wanted to use your melee weapon, that's the Interceptor. And, man, it completely changed the game for me. And that's what I love about this game is that you can play it so many different ways. Like if you want to play the Colossus, you can be this slow, just lumbering character and bring the shield, which I did try a little bit and it was kind of eh, but then switching to the Interceptor, it just made it completely different. And one of my favorite things to do this weekend, because it got to the point, of course, where I maxed out uh, all my gear. I crafted to the highest ability that I could in the demo. I forget what the, the power level or whatever they call it in this game is. Uh, but I loved going back to just run a quick play random mission with uh on normal which would basically the the level cap in this was 15 and if you ran it on normal a quick play would usually match you with people who were just coming into the demo for the first time so they were level 10 or level 11 running that mission that first time and didn't really know their abilities half the time they were all playing as the default class they give you the ranger class and i loved going in there as a level 15 interceptor and just wrecking face on the mission. And you could just tell, like, because I'm just annihilating everything instantly. Because you're jumping, 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 bouncing between characters, swinging, you know, your uh, these little blades you have in your hand. And then using my melee attack. And then I'm teleporting all over. And every time after every mission, after we would take the boss down, like, everybody would come over and just look at your character like, Wow. Like, what the hell did you just do on this uh, on this stage here at the end of this mission? It was so much fun doing that. And so I'm, I'm 
completely excited, so excited to play Anthem when it finally comes out and actually have everything that I do in that game matter towards my character. Uh, it, it's super cool. It's super fun. It looks gorgeous. And uh, like I said, if they start rolling out these little events, these live things happening within the game, uh, I think it's going to be fun to definitely check in every once in a while. And even they they activated weather effects this weekend. So people were getting struck by lightning, which I did a few times, which I thought was cool. So you go out in the world and it's somewhat dangerous when you go out there. Uh, I think it's going to be great. But again, I think people need to approach it from more that Monster Hunter mindset and not necessarily from the Division or Destiny. And remember, this is not a game about your weapons per se. Yes, they help. And yes, they do DPS. But it's about your abilities. You need to be using your abilities and and using the abilities to combo and t- tackle the given situation that you're in right now w- with your team. So it's it's gonna be fun. Can't wait. Cannot wait to play Anthem. Uh, one more quick uh, gaming story here. I want to bring up, um, and this is uh, back to a Nintendo story. Uh, briefly, it was announced this past week that Nintendo's next mobile game, this is not, when you look at it in hindsight, it's not really surprising, but it kind of came out of nowhere. I didn't expect to get the news of this. Uh, but their next game coming early summer of 2019 is Dr. Mario World. It's going to be a free to, free to download uh, game that will, of course, have in app purchases. And uh, it's going to be coming to over 60 countries around the world. And it's going to be developed by the company, I guess it's a Japanese messaging company, Line, and uh, developer NHN Entertainment, and of course, uh, Nintendo. It's coming to iOS and Android devices. And, you know, if you played Super Mario Run, you know that they have found just a very cool way to bring that Mario mechanic of jumping and, and wall jumping and all of that to the mobile space of being able to just use one finger. I... I just to make sense, right? Dr. Mario World, to me, Dr. Mario, a puzzle game on the phone. I mean, I would love to know the majority of people that play just exclusively puzzle games on their phone. Um, it's got to be just huge, right? It's got to be a huge number of the amount of people that play puzzle games. And I think this is a perfect opportunity for Nintendo to sweep in and do kind of the Candy Crush type thing where you have these levels within the game that you play. You get X amount of chances. Of course, you can buy more chances. I mean, that's how these games work. And um, yeah, I, I think it's cool. I mean, Dr. Mario was always a fun game. I, I remember getting it on the NES when it came out. I think I, I don't write when it came out, but I did get it that Christmas. I, I actually specifically remember my parents bought me uh, Dr. Mario and Pac-Man, the Pac-Man version or NES version uh, that same Christmas. I remember getting both of them. And, um, you know, Dr. Mario was just this this classic dropping the different colored pills down onto the the map or the stage, whatever you want to call it. Uh, it was super fun. And even my mom used to play that game too. So I, I would be interested. Right now, my the person I always think of when I think of gaming on a phone and specifically puzzle games like the Candy Crush model is my mother-in-law. Like she she is huge into Candy Crush. So this, I think, is she's going to be my litmus test for this. Like when this comes out, I want to know if she's going to be playing Dr. Mario. And I'm going to do my best to get her off Candy Crush and get her playing this because I think this is going to be just a fun game. And then, you know, I can say, hey, you're playing Nintendo games. You're talking, looking at me playing Nintendo games. You're playing Nintendo games too. So uh, I think it'll be great. So no word exactly on a release date. All they're saying is early summer. And by the way, also part of this was uh, the announcement that the Mario Kart game uh, has been delayed. It will be coming a little bit later this year as well. They said in order to improve its quality and uh, expand the content offerings after launch. So that's another big game. So we have Dr. Mario and a Mario Kart game coming to phones this year. Big uh, big year for Nintendo. 
uh, on the mobile space, which I think is pretty cool. All right, let's shift gears a little bit away from video games and let's talk about some movies. And I went and saw Glass this past weekend. So I'm going to kind of give you my review for Glass. If you're not familiar with the movie, it's the latest M. Night Shyamalan movie. Of course, he is known for movies like The Sixth Sense, Signs, which is by far my favorite scary movie out there. I mean, the movie is actually absolutely terrifying. Um, And of course, Unbreakable and Split, which you kind of need to see to see this movie. Um, If you're not familiar with those movies, uh, well, Unbreakable came out, I want to say it was like 2002, I think is when that movie came out. It's got Bruce Willis. He is on a train. The train crashes. He's the only survivor of that uh, train crash and also has Samuel Jackson in it, who is a character whose bones just break. So you basically say, okay, his bones break. Bruce Willis's character is invincible. And you can kind of see where that's going. I don't want to spoil too much there. And then out of nowhere, Split came out two years ago with James McAvoy, which, by the way, James McAvoy's performance uh, as, uh, who's he play? I mean, he plays <laughs> multiple characters in this movie. Uh, but his character that he plays, um, it, he, he has multiple personalities, like 20 different personalities. And it is incredible. I mean, James McAvoy, his performance definitely shines through in Glass as well. But Split... He is what you think of as kind of like a, a murderer. He, he captures these young girls and just holds them hostage, but he's just creepy and he, he's all playing all these different characters coming in with a multiple, like a split personality. Keep, and he keeps saying the beast is coming. And by the end of the movie, the beast shows up and you find out the beast is kind of the super powered, super strong. He's got super strength, just character. And at the very end of that movie, and I don't want to spoil this, but I kind of have to as we lead into to Glass. So if you don't want to know the spoil, move past 30 seconds, but it's still going to spoil it when I talk about glass. Um, the very final moment, of course, he does get away. You see a shot of Bruce Willis's character from Unbreakable looking up at a television screen and seeing kind of the story of James McAvoy's character in this. So nobody knew that those movies were going to be tied. So basically, what, 15 years later, M. Night pulls in this twist that of course he's known for twists in all his movies but this was kind of like the ultimate twist i mean i we were in the theater we went and saw split i almost like screamed like oh what like it just blew my mind that he was doing that so we didn't know that we were basically watching the origin story of a villain in split and so fast forward now to glass that's kind of what's going on here you have bruce willis who now is a a superhero essentially um superhero david dunn going around the the watcher i think they call him uh, he's going around and saving people because he has super strength. Um, you have the beast that is loose that in this movie now at the very beginning has captured some other young girls who he keeps saying the beast is coming and they're terrified knowing that he's probably going to kill them. And then you have, we, who we don't see till a little bit later on, you have uh, Sam Jackson's character who uh, Mr. Glass is what he calls himself and his name's Elijah. Um, he's kept in a... Uh, mental facility and in the end they all get put into this facility because uh you have sarah paulson's character dr ellie staple is her name she's kind of this person who is a psychiatrist who is kind of trying to pull in these people who think they're superheroes and think they have these abilities which we as the audience know they do uh but she's like nah you you really don't it's kind of a mental facet that you have and so she kind of pulls all three of them into um, just kind of pick their brains and see what's going on. And I don't want to spoil where it goes because I will tell you, just like every other M. Night movie, it goes places that will twist and turn. And by the end, it will be in a place that you don't even expect, um, which will definitely leave it open for more sequels moving forward. Um, but what I think the movie does 
that's really cool is it, it kind of grounds superheroes. It, it kind of plays on the idea of like, what if there really were superheroes and everybody denied it or people tried to cover it up, let's say, um, and then it was revealed. Like, what would that look like? Like, obviously a fantastical superhero like Superman who's flying all over the place or let's say even the Human Torch, a man who's in flames flying through the sky. That would blow a lot of people's minds. But what if it wasn't that? What if it was just kind of the heroes we have here? We have one who can basically not be damaged but has physical strength. You have another one that is just ridiculous with physical strength. You have another guy who just has an insane mental capacity. We get to see that. You know, we see a fight at the end where they're punching and sure they're punching fists into metal and the metal bends and all that. But it's not like they're flying through the sky or anything like that. And and that's what I loved about Signs. Signs was a movie about aliens are coming to invade the earth. What would that be like? And M. Night captured that perfectly. And I think with with Glass, and really, I don't even want to just say Glass. I want to say all three of these movies, he's captured that. Like, what would that really look like in the real world if there were superhuman strength people or people with superhuman strength? What would that look like? That's what he kind of dives into and investigates. And I think it's presented in an awesome way. And I enjoy it. Like, I, I will say this movie isn't mind-blowing. It isn't just this great, amazing, fantastic movie. But I think the way he's able to convey that and bring that across and the way to, t- to tie up these other two movies and pull it into this it is very cool to see it's something that that it's it's just neat that we live in in a world where a, a director goes back to a movie from 15 years ago and wraps up all these pieces you don't see that too often you know a lot of directors don't get to do that uh and he did it and it's cool i, I think it's neat it's definitely a movie that if you've enjoyed those other two movies you got to see it because it, it wraps things up um but if you're not if you haven't seen those movies, you're not a fan of those movies, it may not lead you to this. Um, but it's definitely worth a rental, I think, especially if you've seen those other two, uh, to kind of see where it goes. Don't know if you need to run out to the theater and see it, um, but it uh, it's cool. I enjoyed it. I liked it. Um, I, the, the best thing, I think, of the movie, and like I said with Split, is James McAvoy. Like This guy, I almost want to say, I know a lot of people don't maybe think that he deserves it, but I mean, he needs like an Oscar nod or a Golden Globe nod or something for what he's done with this character. Because literally on a dime, he's able to turn his personality to someone else. I mean, he, he plays a, a you know, middle-aged British woman to a young child that's like six years old to the Beast who is just you know insane. Which, by the way, kudos to James McAvoy for getting in just insane shape uh, for the movie. Um it's cool. It's very cool, and he's done it now twice. He did it in Split, and he did it in this, and uh, I, I'm I'm very impressed. And it's it's totally believable the character that he plays, and it's really cool to see. And I, I think he definitely deserves some sort of nod uh, for the portrayal of this, because I don't know of many actors I think that that could do what he did uh, with this character. It's it's really really neat, and I hope we get to see it again at some point. I mean, I don't want to spoil anything. I, I don't know if we will, but uh, I, it would be really cool to see him take on the role of the Beast again at some point. Uh, but I'm wondering what's next. You know, like I said, this movie definitely leaves it open where there could be more beyond this movie. Um, I don't know if M. Night actually plans to do anything past it. Uh, but if he does, it's going to be very interesting the way this movie ends. It, it, there's definitely some some pieces that are laid that could be carried forward. And even the state of the knowledge of superheroes at the, by the end of this movie is very different than where it is when we start. So I think it could be a, a very interesting path as to where the story goes. But uh, overall, enjoyed it. I would say if you've never seen any other movies, either <laughs> if you're interested in seeing this, go watch those other movies, then watch it. Uh, or if you've seen those other movies and are kind of like not sure, 
wait for it to come out on Redbox or Netflix or HBO, whatever you want to watch it there. Uh, it's definitely worth watching, uh, but you may not need to run out to the theaters and see it right away because it, it's not mind-blowing when you watch it. Uh, all right, let's see. Let's move on here past that and talk about one more thing, and that is, of course, the Super Bowl that happened this past weekend. You know, I know some people out there aren't necessarily sport fans, but obviously I think the Super Bowl transcends uh, sports fans. I mean, a lot of people still go to Super Bowl parties. Maybe that's the one football game or hell, even the one sporting event you watch every year, and you're not even watching it for the sports. You're watching it for the commercials that are going to happen or even the halftime show if you want. Uh, but I think, you know, I think the Super Bowl for what it was, me as a football fan, I personally enjoyed it. I know a lot of people were saying it was very boring and that it just was too slow. And and really, for me, I appreciated the game that was um, basically played on Sunday because you have essentially the number one scoring offense in the NFL, in the Rams, and Bill Belichick, who... Is I don't even think you can even say arguably anymore. He is the greatest coach of all time, is able to come up with a game plan and shut down the Rams. That was just, it's incredible. And believe me, I'm a guy from New York. I'm a Yankees fan. I hate everything and anything that has anything to do with Boston. I'm sorry to anybody out there that's a big Boston fan, but being a Yankees fan, like when the Red Sox win the World Series, it's like staring at the sun for me. Like I just, it hurts. But you, you gotta give kudos to Tom Brady and Bill Belichick and what they've been able to do over these last 17 years. It is incredible. And even if you're not a sports fan, you know, you you just you you got to just look back and say, "Wow, like we will there will never be anything like this in our lifetimes, especially to really happen again." It's it's just incredible to see. And so, you know, to have it be the biggest stage yet again, and uh, to have the game played, it, it was awesome. Now, I, you know, I do see a lot of people, again, saying it was boring. And, and I wish it was a higher scoring game. I mean, I wish actually that the Patriots weren't there and that it was the Chiefs because I think we would have had that high scoring game because that would have been more fun. But, you know, it, it did definitely drag, I know, for some people. So I do get that. But let's talk about the commercials that were there because there was definitely some cool commercials. I think my, my personal favorite one was definitely the Bud Light Game of Thrones one. Uh, being a huge Game of Thrones fan, which, by the way, when Game of Thrones starts coming out, we're going to be talking about some Game of Thrones on the show for sure. Uh, but what started as a Bud Light commercial, seeing the Bud Knight, turned into a Game of Thrones commercial, basically reliving a classic scene from Game of Thrones with a mountain basically shoving his thumbs into someone's eyeballs. Absolutely shocking. I mean, when I saw him stand over the Bud I, I said to my, my brother-in-law, I'm like, dude, that's the mountain. That's the mountain. And then he just, you know, goes right down and does the whole thumbs in the eye. Super cool. I just thought that was awesome. Um, the one that really, uh, well, there was even two. There was the the Washington Post one I thought was very uh, interesting, if you want to say, kind of just talking about news and, and um, yeah, we're not going to go deep there, but I thought that was kind of interesting the way they did that. But I think my second favorite one, and honestly, like pulling on the heartstrings, one of the favorite ones, especially as a parent and as a gamer, was the Xbox One showing off um, their controller that basically allows everyone to play. This adaptive controller that, if you haven't seen, actually I got to play with one at a Microsoft store, uh, actually when I bought my Xbox One X. Um, you, It's a controller, it's about the size of a keyboard, if you want to say, and it has some buttons on it, has um, like some, looks like little drum pads on it, and you can program it to where any of these buttons can do any of the buttons on a, on a regular Xbox controller. It comes with some pedals. It comes with just multiple things. And showing these young kids talking about 
how sure they have disabilities. It showed, you know, kids that have uh, either are amputees or born with birth defects uh, who can't necessarily hold a standard controller like another other kids can or even like, you know, we can. Um, talking about how they get to feel just like one of their friends being able to use this controller and allows them to play just like their friends. Um, super cool. You know, I think that was one of the announcements at E3 this past year that I don't want to say got swept under the rug, but I think a lot of people didn't really understand the impact that that really was going to have. And kudos to Microsoft for putting that out because it, it really, I think, has, um, you know, uh, allowed a lot more kids to play. And I think by them showcasing it here at the Super Bowl, um, was awesome. You know, it really pushed the Xbox brand, showed maybe parents out there whose kids are like some of those kids in that commercial that just never thought their kids would be able to play, never knew this controller even existed. Now they know. On the biggest stage, pretty much on television, all year, they were able to see that. I thought that was really neat and, um, you know, really classy, I think, for Microsoft to put that out. So um, that was definitely one, one of my favorites uh, for sure. Now, when it comes to the halftime show, uh, Maroon 5, of course, playing and, uh, you know, doing their doing their Maroon 5 thing. Uh, I think one of the cooler moments of the whole thing was when they actually had SpongeBob in the halftime show, which a lot of people don't, I think, realize why that happened. But Steven Hillenberg, who is the, uh, one of the creators for SpongeBob and also one of the guys who uh, created Rocco's Modern Life, he actually passed away, was that October, November? And um, there was a petition on change.org that was going on that had over a million people signing it. They wanted the halftime show for them to play. There's a, sh- a song called Victory that's in an early, early episode of SpongeBob. We actually watched the episode. It was on last night. And uh, they go to, they call it, it's like a Super Bowl type setting. And, and Squidward and SpongeBob, they sing this song called Victory. Well, people wanted Maroon 5 or someone to perform it at the Super Bowl just in honor of, of Stephen Hillenberg. Well, of course, they didn't do that. But to honor at least what was done, and, and I don't know whose decision this was, whether it was Maroon 5 or the producers, they kind of added the SpongeBob element just by putting in pieces of the cartoon and then having the, this comic come down to introduce, uh, I forget who the rapper was that came out at that point. Um, very cool, I think, for them to do that and kind of honor him. Because, I mean, you think about it, like SpongeBob, take, take it for what it is. But it's a cultural icon right here in the United States and, and around the world. It's almost like The Simpsons now. I mean, that, that show's been on for years. And for one of the creators to pass away, I think it's really cool that they kind of honor him, especially when one of those early moments of SpongeBob, one of the most famous moments of SpongeBob is that victory scene at the end of that episode. So when they're playing in essentially the Super Bowl. So I thought it was kind of cool uh, that they went ahead and did that. And uh, it was kind of funny too, you know, at the end of that whole set, um, it, it kind of ended and my mom was like, that, that's it. And I was like, well, mom, Adam Levine took a shirt off and the fireworks went off. Of course, of course that was the end of it. Right. I just thought that was great. You know, as the, as the set went on, he slowly was taking shirt off, shirt off, shirt off, and then just blazing tattoos, you know, looking like Tupac up there tatted all over the place. Uh, but in the end, I think they did a great job. It's cool to see big boy from outcast up there, um, performing this, you know, I like the way you move. Uh, would have been cool if we got an Andre 3000 out there too, but, uh, it had a true outcast reunion, but, uh, overall, I think the Super Bowl. It was a good one, you know. Uh, again, I'm not a huge Patriots fan, but they're they're the greatest of all time, you know. It, it it's true, you know. And and I mean, the, the scary thing is, they're probably all coming back next year. So uh, I hope the AFC is ready. I hope the NFL is ready because the Patriots are probably coming back to the big stage or at least getting into the playoffs and seeing where that goes from there. So, all right. 
Well, let's wrap it up here, guys. Uh, you know, a couple things here. Moving on to next week, we'll definitely be talking about the Division Two private beta. I will be playing that this weekend, so I'll give you some impressions on that. Hopefully, many of you will be playing that as well. Uh, I did get some emails this past week. You know, I, I, I like I said, the ones talking about Bandersnatch. Got some emails from some guys uh, talking about Anthem. I appreciate those emails. Um, just had a lot to talk about this week, but please keep sending those in. The enthuslife at gmail.com. You can find that link in the show notes. Um, and we will, I'm going to be reading these, uh, on the show here, uh, soon. You know, like I said, I just, we, we had a lot to talk about this week and, and it's going to be probably some of the slower weeks that I'll be pulling some of those in. Um, and I just, you know, I kind of got to get in the flow. I think of integrating more emails here into the show as I'm going throughout the show. So I will definitely get much better on that, but please keep sending those in. Um, again, you can follow me on Twitter at Mark Turk, M-E-R-K-T-U-R-C. You'll find that in the show notes as well as this podcast at the Enthuse Life. Uh, if you are listening to the show, of course, leave me a review and a like on whatever podcast service you listen to. Uh, this is now in the Guardian Radio feed, so you should be able to listen to it wherever you are listening to Guardian Radio. And you can just, again, continue to like and subscribe or like and leave me a review. It helps push the show up uh, through the ranks so more people can get some ear holes onto the podcast. Um, Big shout out. I said it to my buddy, Khalif Adams uh, from the Spawn on Me podcast. He's launching his new show. This is dope. It is a YouTube uh, show where he's kind of doing what I'm doing here. Just breaking down fun, exciting things that that, um, he likes every single week. I'm definitely going to get him on the show here soon, I think, to uh, talk about that show and just kind of his, you know, overall take just kind of on on many of these things that here I, I usually talk about on the show. So look forward to that. Uh, also, we I think we have plans this week to go see Lego Movie 2. So I'm hoping next week we'll be talking about the Division 2 Private Beta as well as reviewing the Lego Movie 2, which uh, I'm super excited for. I loved the first movie. It was fantastic. I know my kids are pretty excited as well. So, All right, everybody. Well, let's wrap it up there. Thank you again, as always, for making me a part of your week, however you're tuning in, whether it's through iTunes, through Podbean, or your podcast service of choice. Thank you so much. And with that, I'll catch you next week. Later.